All right. It was a dark and stormy night on the 11 Dubcast. Johnny and Andy sat huddled around their microphones, trying to avoid everything else that was going on in the world. While the, while the rain and the thunder crashed around them, they decided to talk about Braxton Miller instead of Little Yachty and a bunch of other stupid Twitter rumors. Um, how are you? By the way, how are you holding up? How are you holding up with the weather right now? Because we we got a huge crack of lightning and thunder like right above our house, and um, you know that happens from time to time. I want to tell you something. Two or three weeks ago, the same thing happened. And my wife and I went out for a walk and we saw that one of the trees in the local park had been split right down the middle by lightning. And it's like, it was still smoking. Like you could still see the char. It was, it was wild. It was super crazy. We we've definitely had some weather here this evening. Uh, you know, as you and I are taping, same thing, the thunder and, and lightning came through. We were actually sitting out on the front porch with the dogs, uh, doing, doing a little bit of rain watching right before I came in. And, and uh, as soon as we came in, it really turned loose. So, Saw some pretty nasty uh, funnel cloud type or cloud wall type pictures from mm-hmm. uh, up above Polaris, but I don't think any of that's going to swing quite so far south as us. So yeah, perfect, perfect weather for 2020, you know, and just kind of my yeah, no kidding. My, my mood in general about uh, the state of the sporting world. So yeah, yeah let's play on player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hopefully everybody's safe and happy and, and nobody got caught outside and it was, it was pretty wild there for a second, but um, I agree. It is a pretty good metaphor for the year 2020. I also thought, though, with all the lightning, there was a uh, GIF or GIF, I guess, if you want to. Team GIF. Team GIF. It is GIF. It is GIF. That's the guy who created the graph, the draft of graphical interchange format. And see, we say uh, giraffe, not giraffe. So yeah, you know, I well, can just keep going here. I don't say say jeans, not jeans. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's stupid. Anyway, point is is that I saw a gif of Braxton Miller against Virginia back in the day in 2015 where he's doing his spin move. And it's like my one of my favorite football like edits of all time because it shows like him vanishing in a puff of like smoke and lightning. And then, you know, they edit him out while he's doing the spin move. And then they put him back in with another <laughs> puff of smoke so, and lightning. I know the he, was a wizard. he was an actual literal wizard. And that was a perfect representation of that. As we're recording this, this is the five-year anniversary of that unbelievable spin move, Andy. Where were you? What were you thinking? What was going on in your mind as that uh, happened? Yeah, you know, I don't think it was a dark and stormy night that that night, but I no, I, I don't really remember like the where I was thing. I just remember, and that that GIF probably is part of the reason why I remember it. Just thinking, my God, there's nothing this cat can't do. I mean, he was he was a treat to watch, and and while I got frustrated and uh you know later years because he became the urban meyer security blanket and uh, you know give the damn ball to hide and so on and so forth uh uh you started to see urban's tendencies to clinch up some with because he knew braxton could get the job done but man that was a lot of fun to watch uh you know that that one the thing about that that particular game is he had been injured the previous year, right? He, you know, high state wins the national championship. He becomes a wide receiver and you're like, okay, well he's Braxton Miller. So this is going to kick a lot of ass. And then he had an unbelievable game against Virginia tech that year. And that was probably his best game as a wide receiver. And he, he was unbelievably good. He's doing these insane Percy Harvin things. I don't think Percy Harvin did stuff like that. He was just doing mind-bending crazy things. And you're like, ha, ha, this is it. it's over, college football. Like you're dead. Like you can't do anything about it. Uh, and then the rest of the season, they didn't do anything with him. 
Yeah. Um, and, and, that, and that's the thing that just like boggled my mind was when, when he was QB number one, you, you couldn't give the ball to anybody else. And then when you're like, all right, you, you get this guy out in space to do, his, you know, the things he has these God given abilities to do. And it was just fits and starts, right? Like you, yeah. you thought, Hey, I remember God, we, you know, all those, all those, uh, off season prognostications about what could this look like, you know, and, uh, the, the offensive weapon that he could have been and, and was, but yeah, like that was maybe the high water market felt like. Right. And, and they, the thing is they didn't really make any effort to try to accommodate the scheme for Braxton Miller. That's probably the most frustrating part about it. It's like, you've got this guy who's this mind bending weapon. He can do pretty much anything you want him to do on the field. Yeah. And you're just going to try to awkwardly insert him into your already present game plan and just hope that he gets the ball because he's going to be open from time to time. Like it's stupid. They didn't, they didn't have a way to integrate him in it. So you see that happen once you're like, your jaw is on the floor and you're just like, your face is melting off. Cause you're like, I can't believe this is happening. And then you don't see it the rest of the season. It's just, you're right. It, it was frustrating and kind of annoying. But in that moment, oh, in that moment, it was that beauty. was probably, that was the hardest I think I've laughed at football ever. And, and like That's the sort of thing that you do in a video game, right? Like we talked yeah. about, we, we've talked about how uh, our, our love of video games that were a little cartoonish and outlandish and not these like super real to life games oh, yeah. of recent years. But like that, that's a serious video game move. Yeah, that shouldn't that happen. I've never humans, seen that happen in a football game before or since. Like yeah, normal humans don't do that. Yeah. yeah the, other that, th- the, the other thing that boggles my mind is that, A, that's already been five years ago. And, and so <laughs> simultaneously, it's like, wait a minute, Braxton Miller, like it feels like he was still on the roster yesterday. And at the same time, it feels like a million years ago. You know, like, yeah, it's really weird because five years it just feels like so much has happened and uh, you know, the transition of quarterbacks in, in the time since he was the signal caller. And I don't know, God, it feels like Ohio state's such a different place now, even though it's like, this is still just five years ago. Yeah. Well, it is. It's completely different. I mean, from top to bottom, I mean, yes, you do have certain elements of urban Myers program still within the system, obviously, you know, with Mark Pantone and, you know, it, not just but, Pantone, but like the whole apparatus. Like there's still, like, un- you know. yeah, Marathi and Pantone obviously are you know the core of what made Urban Meyer's kind of engine run. But you've also got a number of assistant coaches and all that. But in terms of like leadership, I don't really think you could be too much different in terms of temperament and, and how you approach things than than Ryan Day and Urban Meyer. And not that they're not both driven and and you know very results based and all those kind of things, but just a totally different feel to the team um between those two guys and that's not necessarily bad or good it's just it's interesting um and i kind of wonder honestly what ryan day could have done with braxton miller and and what he would have been able to accomplish because you know you look at guys like kj hill who great ohio state athlete and player and wide receiver and did amazing things uh i think i think braxton miller could have had that dude beat (laughs) in a lot of ways as a slot receiver as an ex guy um had there been enough creativity in the passing game to to get that dude open so um yeah i don't know it's it's interesting to think about it's fun to think about we also like following guys in the nfl obviously you know and and i want for instance i want a dude like kj hill who was drafted way lower than he should have been uh to get the shot that he deserves yes um because just i think he's a great talent i think he's capable of doing some really amazing things but your boy 
Cam Hayward, Ironhead Jr. was able to uh, – that dude got 71 million smackaroos from the Steelers the other day. That ain't that ain't too shabby. That's pretty nice. I love that. that. He he is one of those quintessential, like, doing it right guys. Like, you, you look at him, and, and yes, uh, Steelers fan here, uh, married into the, the cult of the Steel City. Mm-hmm. Um, and, at the, and I always tell the story. At the time, the stunning Mrs. Vance and I started dating – there were more Buckeyes, including the venerable Dick LeBeau, um, defensive genius, master planner. Um, there were more Buckeyes on the Steelers roster at that time than in Cleveland and Cincinnati combined. Now, you know, that that has changed uh, somewhat over, over the recent years as Cleveland um, realized that they could, in fact, draft um, players from Ohio State, that that was not illegal. And right. Cincinnati's <laughs> had, had a couple. And, uh, and now, you know, of course – We'll have uh, Joey B slinging the rock down there, but 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 Cam Hayward, um, you know the guy who's just always doing it right. He's he's been there uh, and been a presence for Pittsburgh since day one. Uh, has has been consistently um, the team's representative for the Walter Payton Man of the Year program. I mean, just uh, does amazing things in Pittsburgh. So yeah, my my uh, hats off to him and was super excited to see that he is now the highest paid defensive player over the age of 30 in NFL based on his yearly average salary with 65.6 million in new money, $75.1 million deal over five years. You know, he's an all pro. He's a leader. He's a guy that you love to root for. This is good stuff. So let me ask you this. So we, I'm trying to think about this. Who do you think over the past, let's say, I don't know the past since Jim Trestle, you know, kind of came in. So let's say the past 20 years, who do you think is the most successful NFL Ohio state player? Well, yeah, like, we're having team's pretty team, high up there. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good, I mean, he's got a pretty good case. Um, you, you know, you could say uh, Ezekiel Elliott is having a pretty good little career. Now he's, yeah, you Zeke's know, Cameron's great, got it. But- Cameron's got a, a good head start on him uh, right. in terms of longevity. And, and, you know, you think about when we talk about how great some of these players' careers are, uh, you'd say Michael Thomas. Um, you know, Michael Thomas, probably the guy that gets the most attention because he's the best player in the league at his position. Right. Um, and and I don't I don't think that's debatable anymore, is it? I mean, there are, there are mm-hmm. other great receivers, but, you know, yeah. who are you taking? Who are you drafting as your – wide receiver number one in a fantasy draft if it ain't michael thomas uh you know if you've got the number one pick that's the guy you're gonna go with i feel like right so but but you know longevity means a lot right so um and and that's why i think you're probably you're probably looking at at cam hayward uh i wasn't expecting that question but i'm just looking there was a great um great piece that dan hope did uh actually um not long ago where we looked at the the players on the roster and you could actually you know, build a whole entire roster of Buckeyes we laughed <laughs> right. about that at different times over the years but you could actually put together a pretty good little all Buckeye roster now uh and just looking down through the list of current guys in the league it's I mean it's really got to be it's got to be those two or three who, who am I missing that you're thinking of well so here's the thing I I agree with you though like on on Michael Thomas obviously right no brainer the guy is is elite at his position and any given year he's going to be the you know one, first or second best uh wide receiver in the NFL Zeke Elliott same deal at running back but 
my point is, is that I don't think a lot of people think of Cam Hayward as a guy who would be in that level. And, 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 you know, granted, he's not the best, you know, defensive tackle in the NFL or anything like that, but he's incredibly good. And he's been very, I mean, very, he's good. a clear all pro, you know, he's consistently, yeah, exactly. like he's one consistently of the an all pro. Direct. Yeah. 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 Right. You exactly. may not say, Oh, he's number he's one. Vince Wolfork, but he's, he's really damn good. And he's yes. been really damn good his entire career. And I just, it, it's odd to me that he doesn't get, the same kind of adulation and maybe that's because he's a defensive player right and you don't really you know especially well, as a, and, you, and you're not putting him in the same tier as um the boses in terms of the highlight type stuff right like sure. people people are thinking you know that, that, that i used to i used to kind of gripe about this um I, I would call it the you know the sports center phenomena where people focus on the the players who like make highlight reel type plays and and those aren't necessarily always um the, the guys that you need to focus on when you look at Hayward, three-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro. Uh, you know, he's a legit. He's a legit guy. You know, like, yeah. and he's been in the let's see, what uh, first-round pick in 2011. So, I mean, this is a that's a pretty deep career. Now we're cracking the 10-year mark, and he just I mean, uh, just did a fifth, you know, five-year extension. Yeah, if if he keeps this up for another five six years, I mean, that's a that's a Hall of Fame caliber career. Um, and I don't know. That, I guess my only point is is that. I like following Cam Hayward's career because a, I think, you know, obviously as an Ohio state player, you want him to do well. B I think he's incredibly underrated even among Ohio state fans and C honestly, like, it's not like I was ever best buddies with the guy, but I knew the dude while we were reporting on the team while he was on it. I talked to him when we did interviews and stuff, incredibly personable, funny guy. I know a couple really great stories uh, where he was in the same kind of classes with some of the other people that I knew. Um, and I'm just really stoked that he's had the career that he's had and done so well. So I just, you know, my point is, is that congrats to him. We should maybe follow his career a little bit more closely than we are. Cause yes. I, I genuinely believe, believe that he could be a hall of fame kind of guy later down in his career. If he continues doing this for, you know, a little bit more um, and that deserves to be celebrated. So again, and, my and, time and, uh, is, Zeke Elliott, get it, but Cam Hayward needs to be talked about too. Fun, fun trivia fact. First NFL jersey I ever owned was Cameron Hayward. We uh we went to nice. Pittsburgh's uh training camp. Gosh, that might have been. So his first season in the league, I think it was 2011. So yeah, I bet that I mean that was either summer of eleven or maybe 2012. Um pro- it was probably twelve we went to Steelers training camp and of course they have the big merch tent and uh, and, uh, stunning Mrs. Vance was buying some t-shirts or hats or whatnot. And they had a Cameron Hayward Jersey um, on the rack. And I'm like, you know what? I I can, I can rep a Buckeye. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily (laughs) ready to like outfit my entire wardrobe in. Yeah. 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 Right. Cause that's, I mean, that she was the reason that I, I joined into the, the fandom. Um, uh-huh. So that was the yeah, fun, fun trivia. That was the first NFL Jersey I ever owned was, was Cameron Hayward. And I know people have differing opinions uh, about whether a man of my age should be wearing uh, jerseys or not, to which I say, you know what, live your life. Yeah. <laughs> you anybody to- can wear a Jersey at any age. It's stupid. I'm fine with it. I, I, I hate when people like, ah, it's like a little kid thing to do. I'm like, okay, well, you want to dress in like Birkenstocks or whatever and go to a football game, go for it. But like, that's, that's a good way to show solidarity with your team. I have no problem with that. Yep. Yep. Um, 
Yeah. And, and so, that's about, I mean, and I really only wear it when they're playing and usually only at home. So, you know, cause I'm like, you know, here's the other thing I, you, you put down, you put down, uh, you know, a C note for one of these things. I'm, I'm not say wearing it. Right. I'm, I'm not, I'm not wearing it to the County fair and eating, you know, roasted ear yeah. of corn. <laughs> Look, I have, I've got an Ohio state Jersey that I'll wear to games, usually like over a hoodie or something like that. I've yeah. got, um, two blue jackets jerseys. I've got one that I bought for 10 bucks from Goodwill, which is like one of my greatest Goodwill purchases of all time. Cause it's an authentic Jersey. It's got like the NHL like logo. And, and if it's, if it's a ripoff, it's a damn good ripoff. That's sweet. Um, and then my wife got me, uh, one of the alts, which is like one of my favorite hockey jerseys of all time. So I'm super stoked about that. And I'll wear the hell. Yeah. I'm going to wear those. What are you talking about pay a hundred some dollars for something. You want to, you want to stretch your stuff a little bit. I get it. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, making stew while I'm, while I'm wearing it, but I'll wear it and have fun and go to the games. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's, that's, totally that's one of those fun. things that I have every year around Christmas time, you know, you're going through, uh, the mall or, you know, when we still went to malls, uh, and you're seeing, you know, some of the various Ohio state apparel stores or, uh, in some of the big shopping, uh, some of the, the department stores or whatnot. A hockey jersey is one of those things that I have always said I'm going to buy one of those one of these days. Like there are some really cool the jackets jerseys. There are some really cool, yeah, um, and and some really great Ohio State hockey jerseys as well. I've never I've never bought one, but I was sitting here thinking, you know, given that the uh, Eleven Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at ElevenWarriors.com, <laughs> I encourage friends. We should tell Priestess we need some Eleven Warriors hockey jerseys. Well, like that. And knowing that he's a hockey guy. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know what? Like that, hmm. that good synergy with first Ohio battery, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you think about it. so hopefully the jackets can, you know, advance further than the first round of the NHL playoffs. And then we can get some of that, that going a little bit is all I'm saying. Um, yeah, I don't know. But like I said, I fully support and endorse people wearing jerseys to games and one. I think it's great. I have no problem with it. I think it's awesome. Um, so that was the, that's the positive stuff. Now we have to do the prerequisite. Let's complain about the world kind of thing. I don't want to spend wah, too much time. Wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't want to spend too much time on the, uh, you know, the, the foghorn here, but, um, here's the only thing that I want to say about the past week and, and how everything has gone down and how this has been debated and talked about anybody who wants to tell me for the rest of my life that sports are getting too political or that politics should stay out of sports. That was a stupid thing to say and, and, and think, I think before all of this, but this last past week has absolutely killed the concept of sports and politics being separated, just killed it straight dead. Like it is not, that is absolutely untrue. Sports are inherently political. They always have been, they always will be. And this past week, if nothing else has proved that a certain absolute fact, and that's okay. I'm not saying that's necessarily bad. I I think sports and politics can mesh and can do certain things for each other and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not hating anybody for mixing those two things. Uh, God knows I can't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm certainly not somebody to talk about that. Um, But my point is, is that if that's the reality of the situation, which it is, then I think we should also cut, players a little bit of slack for getting a little political from time to time 
um, and not getting, you know, on their backs about they can't be talking about stuff. They don't like, yeah, they can. They can talk about whatever they want because sports are definitely political. They're human beings. They're part of it. They're allowed to talk about this stuff. So that's my only point on that. Um, sports are political. They're going to be political. They've always been political. That means we have to allow athletes to engage in that. Um, we can't be the only ones who get to reserve that for ourselves because that's not really fair to them. So yeah. that's, that's my only take on that particular part of the story. All right. All right. I'll, I'll take a swing at this. So, so my take is that, Sports aren't inherently political, however, comma, they are for sure a a platform that people use to advance their own politics and or uh, in the case of this past week, you know, I think they became the political football. So it's not necessarily that sports uh, per se were political, but that folks uh, are using sports um, to leverage their own political agendas. So, so maybe maybe just a tweak or a spin on on what you're saying now. Where I want to where I want to whole, wholeheartedly concur with your opinion is we, we just need to be consistent, sports fans. Um, we we can't we can't adopt the stick to sports mentality when it's players speaking out about things that we're uncomfortable about or we don't agree with or whatever it happens to be. And then at the very next opportunity, jump on the politics bandwagon. If, if the, whatever's happening in sports support our politics, we just need to be consistent. You know, if, if, uh, if we as fans are going to have an opinion because it aligns with our politics, you know what, we need to be understanding that players, uh, they're going to have them as well. And, and oh, by the way, why, why do we want to tell players to stick to sports? Um, you know, what, what's it to us, you know, who, who gets to tell, uh, whether it's, a uh, an Ohio state player, whether it's a player for BYU, whether it's a player for the Cleveland Cavaliers, whether it's LeBron, LeBron James, you know, who am I to tell them not to have an opinion? Um, I might say, oh, I think their opinion stinks or, oh, you know, why should somebody care what a random athlete's opinion is? But undoubtedly somebody does, right? Yeah. Um, whether or not I do or whether or not I choose to is a different thing entirely, but it's not my place to tell somebody else, you know, shut up and 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 dribble or shut up and you know, catch the ball or whatever it happens to be. Um, yeah. I, I think we just have to get out of our own selfish bubble and understand that other people. Now, here's where it becomes a challenge. I think for a lot of us, and and I would say especially um, folks that look like you and I do, in other words, um, middle-aged, heterosexual white guys, we, we have often looked and still to some extent look at sports as an escape. Um, and, and I, and I don't think this is just the province of the middle-aged white guy, but it's certainly, we have the privilege of being able to rely on sports as escapism. Say, well, okay, uh, work was hard or I'm living paycheck to paycheck or the wife's been nagging me about the honeydew list or whatever it happens to be. So I'm just going to go crack open a beer and, and watch the game. Like, mm-hmm. all right, all right, that's a thing. I, I get that. And so you want to be able to just tune out and, and, and enjoy sports. And I get that. Really, I do. Um, and at the same time, there are people out there who have a lot more important things on their mind. And, you know, if, if sports is the platform that they have to advance some real pressing issues, then, hey, you know what? M- more power to you. Well, and the thing is, we give them that platform right like the, the thing is is that when you when you give someone this kind of adulation and acclaim and you tell them that they're the king or that they're like a god or you give them nicknames and you say these people are amazing well i'm not saying it goes to their head but what i am saying is that if somebody tells me that and they're giving me a platform to talk and there's something i personally care about like you just said i'm going to use it why wouldn't you anybody would of course you would 
right? If there's something that really, really matters to you and someone's giving you a platform, then you're going to use that platform. That's just a natural thing to do. And no one's forcing anybody to like care what LeBron says about, you know, any kind of like issue that he, he wants to talk about or anything like that. But you also can't deny him his right to, to use that platform that we freely give him, right? Or any athlete. So, you know, to me, it, if I had that kind of, you know, that platform, if I was somebody who could like say something about some issue and have literally tens of millions of people know what I was you know, thinking about it, damn right I would be using that. <laughs> I probably shouldn't because I'm stupid. But the point is, is that I would. And, and I can't deny anybody uh, that um, opportunity. And especially if they are an intelligent, you know, thoughtful person like LeBron James, you know, that those types of people should be listened to and, and heard whether you agree with them or not. So yeah, anyway, my point is, is that this past week has been a huge mess for a lot of reasons. So many rumors and things like that swirling on Twitter and, you know, at various sites and whatnot. I don't think anybody really truly knows what's going on. I don't think anybody's going to know what's going on until it's already happened. Frankly, um, there's this whole, I guess, cottage industry of people basically trying to get popular by making predictions and, you know, just kind of throwing spaghetti at the fridge and hoping something sticks. But like, there's no point to any of that. Well, I mean, what do you get from like knowing something slightly before other people just because somebody made a guess? I just, I don't understand that. And so, like I said, you're not going to know the full extent. I don't think anybody's going to know the full extent of what's going to happen with college football this fall until the decision's already been made. And then it could always be walked back. I have no idea. Um, I don't know if college football for the Big Ten is going to start on October 10th. I doubt it. But there could be some secret vote as we speak going down. And I don't know. And then Ohio State goes independent and then um eventually down the line they join the sec and then alabama and ohio state and texas form their own like conference by themselves and ditch the, i don't know i don't know what's going to happen um you know i I, I could see a scenario you know where the big 10 plays football but not all teams participate like i i, I could oh, sure. see i could see a scenario where some programs opt out you know we're seeing players opt out um Mm -hmm. oregon's star offensive tackle most recently opted out of the season and uh yep declared for the nfl draft um so i i could see some programs opting out what i cannot see is ohio state uh going independent or joining the sec that never (laughs) never gonna happen um i don't see the big 10 you know suddenly dissolving or falling apart as a conference i think people seriously underestimate uh the importance of the academic collaboration that happens between big 10 universities right or at least the value that the presidents uh put on that academic consortium i but but i could see there being some scenario where where you have some teams from the big 10 play uh, a fall schedule now do i think it starts on october 10th gosh that'd be nice but i mean look at the calendar friends you know you're you're talking something that would have to happen five weeks down the road, you know, not, not even that four weeks. Right. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a tall order. Can it be done? Sure. I'm, I'm sure it could. Sure. But there's just a lot of logistics that have to happen. I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, it, it is interesting seeing football happen. Uh, and every time football happens, you get the cascade of tweets of people online. who are like, Oh geez, central Arkansas figured it out. Can't believe that the big tit. Well, 
you know? <laughs> okay, that's a reasonable Arkansas question. Doesn't have as much to worry about as Ohio State, though. That's the other thing. Like people, these smaller schools have the wherewithal to be much more flexible than a school that has to worry about hundred million dollar budgets and dozens yeah. and dozens of Na- Navy and BYU. Navy and BYU are playing as we uh, as we speak, my friend. Yeah, well, and that's no. great and good, and good for them. But they're also independent, and they don't have to worry yep. about you know a lot of this other stuff. Or is BYU independent now? I thought they were independent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so, so they, you know, they're not beholden to like conference decisions and things like that, um, you know, which is cool. And in BYU and 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 uh, you know any of the service academies really playing. If if you got that's, that, that that's really I'll, the only real game that I mean, Marshall and Eastern saying. Kentucky played. I guess I'll pay attention to that. Uh, that's the only real game that's been played so far, as far as I can tell, looking at the the scoreboard. Yeah. Otherwise, that's, it's that's how I feel about it, too. And I'll pay attention to a game like that. But basically every other game that's been played. I'm sorry. I'm not going to watch football just because it's on television. I, I'm not going to watch any sport just because it's on television. I'll watch a sport if I'm interested in it. But like if this were 2019 and somebody's saying like, oh, yeah, Central Arkansas is playing, you know, Texas State. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> why, right. Why? Why are you telling me this? It's not something that matters to me at all because I don't care. And that doesn't change just because Ohio State isn't playing. Um, I, I want to see quality, interesting football, and that's not quality, interesting football to me. Now, BYU, like I said, BYU. All right, I know who BYU is. They they've made some noise a little bit. I get. I'll, I'll watch a little bit of that. Um, now, but, now, what's your impression in general? Like, there's been there there's been a a good bit of social media chatter about TV ratings for, let's say, the NBA, for example, and of course. Sometimes that goes back into our politics discussion that people want to say, oh, ratings are down because, you know, the NBA players are social justice warriors or whatever happens. To I be. Don't think that's it, but, 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 but what's your sense? Are people tuning into sports? Are, are you tuning into the sports that are, are out there or do you have other things going on? You know, I'm, not like, watching, I'm watching the NBA cause I like watching the NBA, right? Like I watch, yep. especially the playoffs. I find that interesting and, and the matchups and whatnot, but the real reason why I think that um, viewership's been down, and not just for the NBA, viewership's been down for a lot of sports and a lot of mm-hmm. different events um, across the board. It's, it's not necessarily confined just to that one league and one sport. I really think it's because what you've done is you've, you've put everything on pause for six months, completely destroying whatever inertia you know the season might have had for these teams and these leagues and then you're trying to kind of like restart it up again i mean it's it's like you're you know you're racing downhill and you're going 50 miles per hour on a bike and then you slam on the brakes right it's going to take a little bit longer to get back up to speed um i think the problem is is that people throughout the course of a season and let's use college football as an example right uh michigan there was some talk when Big Ten did its realignment and things like that of maybe moving the Michigan game. And the whole point of the Michigan game is that it is the last game. There is there is this inertia that builds up to that game. And while, yes, you could play the Michigan game theoretically at any point in time in the season, it would lose a lot of that um, attention and specialness. And I think, you know, maybe not at Ohio State, but maybe nationally, Um I think it would lose a lot of the appeal to people because it is the last game and you have that build up. And, you know, the Ohio State Michigan game is one of the highest rated college football uh, games every single year, right? Yes. Every single year, not just in Columbus and Ann Arbor, but throughout the entire country. And I, I truly believe it's because that game is on that final week of the regular season. If it weren't, 
I don't know that people will be as interested. And I think the same kind of hold truths for this. People are like, okay, well, I know it's the playoffs, quote unquote, but I didn't see what led up to it, right? It, it's just kind of a thing that's happening at a weird point in time of the year. So I, I, I don't think people are as engaged as they normally would be. And they're just kind of wanting to see what the outcome might end up being. So I, I think that's really what a big part of is causing it. And it's, it's also the fact that there aren't, you know, fans, like people love seeing a party, you know, they love being a part of a party. And if you don't have like crazy crowd reactions and whatnot, I think that kind of kills it for some people. Honestly. So also, you know, so we were talking about NBA, but baseball ratings are down. Yeah. Um, baseball ratings are down. And to give some credence to what you're saying about the buildup and the, the hype and the timing, and some of it is the tradition, TV ratings for the 2020 Kentucky Derby oh, yeah. uh, were the lowest they've been since, I think, 2000. Right. So the previous, yeah, according to, um, the, I believe this is the Louisville Courier Journal. Yeah, Louisville Courier Journal. Uh, pointed out that in 2000 was the previous low 9.1 million viewers watched the race on ABC this year's race, uh, which happened over the Labor Day weekend averaged 8.3 million viewers and a 4.8 rating on NBC. So, and I think, I think it was, uh, maybe like half of what it was last year or something like that. There was a chart that I saw on Twitter. Oh, here we go. Initial ratings, uh, 49% drop from last year's rate 49%. 16.3 million people watched last year's Kentucky Derby. This year it it uh, had a peak of about 9.8 million. And the other thing last year's peak of 18.5. I mean, that's a huge drop off. Yeah, and it's not like people are being distracted by other things right now. Like what are you doing? Like you're staying inside and you're, you know, you're waiting for stuff to come on. So I I really do think that it's just the traditional uh excitement and things related to these sporting events just isn't there. And did you, did you watch the Derby? No. Oh, it's great. Do you normally watch the Derby? Maybe I should ask that question. Uh, here's, here's what I, here's what I do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I find it interesting. I, I think everything related to the Derby is interesting. I think the, I like horse racing and raising the horses and training them and what jockey, I, all of that to me is very fascinating because of how like in, in depth it is and how much tradition there is and how far back it goes. I and mean, we're talking about a sport that's hundreds and hundreds of years old. Sport of um, Kings. But I don't care about 98% of the broadcast of the Kentucky Derby. (laughs) BS and wasted airtime leading up to the event. Like, I don't care if it's like a half hour, (laughs) you know, you just want to watch the two minutes and be done. Yeah. And so I'm like, with the advent of, you know, social media and all this stuff, as soon as Twitter kind of got a hold of this and you could watch the entire race on Twitter, I'm like, I'm done. I don't need to turn this on. I'll just watch it later. And that, and it's just as fun and exciting for me. I got, I actually got a cousin who lives in Louisville um, and they go to the Derby and whatnot. Uh, and, you know, it's a huge event for them, but I don't, you know, I have no desire to go there. And honestly, like, if I'm not there, I don't need to watch a three-hour broadcast about a two-minute race. So. It was uh, it was surreal. I will say, seeing the stands, I mean, totally empty. Uh, and and you know, normally at the call, you have the call to the post. Uh, the bugler steps out in his red jacket and the little black hat. Yeah. Call to the post. And the horses, you know, are then walked down on the track. And normally, that's where the hundred and fifty thousand spectators sing "My Old Kentucky Home." So this year the bugler played uh, my old Kentucky home because there were you know no people in the stands to sing it, and and as you know he's bugling this song, and you know maybe I was just, I uh, you know injecting my own emotions into it, but 
they're doing these just, you know, panoramic shots of the empty Churchill Downs grandstand, you yeah. know, almost like the, the kind of the, the, the boom jib flyover pan of the crowd as he's bugling the song. And it just came out as, as a mournful tune, um, yeah. and it is, you know, and it's not an up-tempo number anyway, don't get me wrong, but normally when you're, you're talking 150,000 drunk horse racing fans singing it, it's, it's, it's more joyful uh, because we're out here having this great experience together. And it just came out as this really mournful tune. Now, the race itself was fantastic. And if you yeah. didn't watch it, go back and watch it. Authentic. Yeah. Um, and it was so funny. I, I told the stunning Mrs. Vance as we were watching, because I didn't, I hadn't done any homework on the horses. Um, I've just been way too busy uh, with, you know, pandemic life and, and my day job to have really boned up on uh, what the betters were saying about these horses or anything. Uh, I knew Tis the Law was was the big favorite and and uh, had won the Belmont. And so, of course, here's our, our chance for a triple crown. He came in, at, I think, um, uh, four to five favorite. So you have Authentic comes in. It's like the third, uh, the, the, would have been the third best odds of the bunch at eight to one, which, you know, eight to one is, is not a long shot, but it's certainly not a favorite by any stretch. Right. And, and you've got um, uh, Velasquez as the jockey, uh, who I think had two Kentucky Derby wins under his belt at that point, and Bob Baffert, who was who was looking to tie the record for a trainer with Derby wins. And I said, you know, if I was betting, I think I would I'd pick that one. Um, and and I was like, oh, okay, fine. And so then after I was like, I called it, I called it. That's the one I should have <laughs> bet on. And it's like I should have apparently downloaded. The, they were running these ads for Twin Spires, which is like churchill downs's betting app or whatever. Oh, yeah. like apparently i should have listened to the commercial and downloaded the oh, app like that would have been my horse touchdown uh, you know. touchdown bob doesn't you know bob baffert doesn't doesn't miss you know it, that it, dude. you know it was an interesting day you talk about the three-hour story and we did not watch all three hours although we got into it this year like we uh we did the kentucky hot brown which is like the the open-faced mm-hmm. uh turkey sandwich that that was uh synonymous with louisville and and the derby we also uh, gross, but this, yeah we'll <laughs> come back we'll come back to the hot brown in a minute um <laughs> so the stunning mrs vance made a derby pie which was delightful nice. um and then i muddled my way through a mint julep you see what i did there muddled <laughs> muddled get it muddled my way through mixing a mint julep um somebody asked me like what's the point of the mint julep and i said i'm really not sure <laughs> i don't know like to be fancy it's, southerners that's what it is that's the purpose it's it's basically just a a bourbon and mint uh snow cone yeah, <laughs> that's really that all it is bourbon simple syrup mint and ice yep. uh but but we went you know kind of to the nines and then i see these ratings i'm like jesus we were apparently the only people in america <laughs> watching this horse race so you know, but I, and I, and I, to, here's the thing. I, I genuinely like, I don't want to say it's niche because it's not niche. I mean, it, on regular years, it pulls in massive ratings and people enjoy watching it. It's, well, a it's big like the Indy 500. People who don't watch, sport, yeah. watch race car races, watch the Indy 500, right? That's it, what I'm saying. I enjoy things like that. Yeah. I like sporting events. People that don't want that, watch golf, watch the Masters. Yeah, I like sporting events where people can get sucked in and pulled in, even though it's not their regular jam. And that's that's part of why I like the Olympics so much, because yeah. things that are super obscure and, and things that people wouldn't normally watch in their free time, they get really invested in. They get really excited about. And that's fun. I think that's really cool. I, I There's such a great collage of, of different sports out there, and I like it when people get excited about all the different ones. And I want to tell you something. My yearly binge watch 
is the Tour de France, and I watched that yeah. every year, and I freaking love it. And I was actually really kind of sad because initially they were just going to cancel it, and then they moved it back, and so now it's on. And they actually played it before the tour, or excuse me, before the Kentucky Derby this uh, this past Sunday, um, and that was a sick uh, stage. And I mean, I could gush all day about the Tour de France, but the point that I'm making is that I think everybody should give those things a shot. And especially if you're kind of like, eh, I'm not really feeling, you know, all this other stuff or baseball or the Reds are terrible and blah blah, blah which is true. Uh, <laughs> you know, I get that. Uh, maybe try some of this other stuff that's going on. And again, I, I cannot stand for the Tour de France as, as much or, or enough, really. And the reason why is that even though these, you know, we're talking about something that they start broadcasting at like 7.30 and then it ends at like 11.30. You don't have to watch the whole damn thing. Um, but maybe just tune in for 20, 30 minutes and watch what these guys are doing and then kind of like lose your mind at it because it is every every single ounce of the Tour de France, what they're doing to their bodies and the machines that they're riding on are completely nonsensical and super dangerous. <laughs> There's crashes all the time. It's unbelievably chaotic. Uh, you know, these guys are riding 110, 120 miles a day, every day with like maybe one or two days rest for literally three weeks straight. It's just, it's, it's a wild, crazy thing. And I really encourage people to check it out because it's a lot of fun to, to watch um you probably won't know anybody who's who's writing that's totally fine they're all interchangeable uh you know guys who are on drugs and and whatnot it doesn't matter it's, it's what they're accomplishing that's really fun to watch so um but yeah man I, I that's the kind of stuff i like even in these lean times of of sports uh without ohio state I, I still think there's a lot of fun stuff to check out so um you know what are they are they doing speaking of the kentucky derby are they going to do the other two you know, so like, so the Belmont's already happened. Okay, Belmont already um, happened. Belmont Stakes, yeah. Tis the Law won the Belmont Stakes. They they ran that one. Uh we gotta think what when they ran that one. Or they already ran the Preakness, maybe. They ran they ran no no, no they ran the Belmont on June 20th. Yeah. Tis the Law won. Um, and so then they're going to run the Preakness in October. So we will not have a triple crown this year because Tis the Law won the Belmont and Authentic won the Derby. So no, no triple crown, which I'm, I'm okay with like this triple crown is not something that should happen every year. It's, it, you know, it's a rare thing. Um, so we'll have the Preakness October 3rd. So the whole thing with the triple crown, you know, was weird this year because the Derby is always first, right? It, it was supposed to be May 2nd, um, first Saturday in May. Then the Preakness, um, you know, was, was, was just two weeks later, should have been May 16th. And then the Belmont, uh, it traditionally is the last race. It's the longest race, uh, and it's June 6th. So these things all happen in a period typically of five weeks, right? So you have the Derby, the Preakness and the Belmont and, and the Derby is, um, you know, the kickoff and, and the Belmont is the one that brings it all home. So the order was totally flubbed up. Uh, the Belmont happened June 20th, and you had this super long layoff, uh, the Derby running September 5th, and then the Preakness will be in about a month. It's going to be October 3rd. So that, uh, and that, that one taking place at uh, Pimlico there outside Baltimore. Yeah. So I, you know, it'll be, an, it, I'll still watch it. It should be an interesting race. Um, still some good, you know, intrigue. Uh, I'd like, like to see authentic go out and have a good race again. Maybe tis the law will come back and, and avenge the loss. Who knows? Well, that was always the thing for me, just seeing who would win the next Triple Crown, right? Now that it's happened, yes. it's kind of like, all right, well, 
you know, I guess I got to wait another 30 years before I'm interested. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it was really interesting because, you know, you, you went, um, these things happen in fits and starts, right? So if you go back and you look, the first triple crown winner was Sir Barton in 1919, uh, mm-hmm. Gallant Fox was in 30, and then you had Omaha and War Admiral in, in 35 and 37. So you kind of had, you know, in the span of, of just a decade, um, you had three. So you're getting them about every three years or so. Uh, Whirl Away in 41, Count Fleet in 43, Assault in 46, Citation in 48. And then after Citation, you have this huge gap, right? You go Citation in 1948, and it's not till Secretariat in 1973. Secretariat, the greatest racehorse that ever lived. Uh, yeah. 1973. And if you haven't watched the Disney movie about Secretariat, do it. It's such a good film. Also, Isn't the bio. That, uh, what's his face? Who's in that? Gosh, there's uh, there's a few people in that. Um, no, I'm thinking of Seabiscuit. Who's... Oh yeah, Toby Maguire and Seabiscuit. Yeah, Toby Maguire. Uh, Secretariat. So I gotta think. Um, oh, her name escapes me. The lady that plays. Um, I'm me crazy now. Anyway, it's a really good film. You should totally go and watch it. Oh yeah, John Malkovich <laughs> plays the trainer. Um, Diane Lane. I don't know why I couldn't come up with Diane Lane. Uh, is is basically the. Uh, and so a lot of the movie is really about their relationship, Diane Lane as the horse's owner, and then um, the the great John Malkovich as Lucy and Lauren, who is the legendary trainer. So Diane Lane, Penny Chenery, um, and it's just a great story. Uh, and and there's there's a, a biography of Secretariat's train. Um, it's not trainer, but his his handler Eddie Sweat. Um, played by the late Nelson Ellis in the movie, and, and Nelson Ellis was fantastic. Um, he was very good in pretty much everything he was ever in, I think. Fred Thompson plays Bull Hancock, who was a great um, race horse owner of the time. Um, James Cromwell has a has a cameo in the film as Ogden Phipps. So there's there's quite a few different notable actors and actresses in that film, but and that's, the film's that's really like- good. You should definitely read the biography, though, of Eddie Sweat. Um, talks about the backside of the tracks a lot. You kind of get a feel for the life of the people that handle these horses. But so so anyway, back to Secretariat. So you had this really long period between Citation and Secretariat. Seattle yeah. Slough comes again in 77 and affirmed in 78. So again, you've got this, then all of a sudden you're getting them again every three or four years, it felt like. Then another long layoff, right? So from affirmed in 78, it was clear to American Pharaoh in 2015, uh, before we had another one. And, it, and, you know, I remember ahead of American Pharaoh winning it, like there were articles written, will there ever be another triple crown winner? You know, like, cause and people were starting to look at track times just in general and how the thoroughbred racehorse has evolved, um, and, and grown and, and are they getting any faster, you know, really than secretariat was at the Derby, uh, in 73, like how much has the horse improved? Have we reached the limit of the animal's genetic potential? Yeah. And then of course oh, you have Pharaoh comes in 2015 and justify in 2018. So we're back to, okay, having him, maybe there'll be another one next year, perhaps. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, like I said, that's the interesting aspect to me. That's what I kind of like, you know, get into, but um, I also, I will say this, Andy, are you aware of a racehorse named, uh, pot? Oh, pot. Oh, pot. Oh, okay. Well, or you could call them potatoes. Oh, uh, 
he was a racehorse. So I don't remember where I learned about this guy, but uh, there was a racehorse in the 1700s. He's considered to be one of the best racehorses of the 1700s. And his oh, name. Yes, there's like 12 O's in it. I was like, what are yeah, you talking well, about? Yeah. It's so pot it was, and then like several O's. Okay. Yeah, it's pot and then followed by eight O's. And I guess apparently a stable boy, like somebody told the stable boy that the uh, horse's name was Potatoes. And so the stable boy was like, hey, and then wrote pot and then put eight O's after it. And the guy who owned the horse was like, thought that was hilarious. And he said he just left it that way. That's great. And it turned out to be one of the greatest race horses of the 1700s. So. I let, weird stuff is my point. I enjoy stuff like that. I think that's pretty. You great. know, one of the things I find really interesting about racing the difference between the U.S. and the U.K. So you were talking about um, <laughs> pot eight O's yeah. was uh, was a thoroughbred in um, in in Great Britain. Is you know a lot of the the um, racing over there is is done like steeplechase and it are are it's not just flat track dirt track um derby running so i find it really interesting the differences between racing in the uk and and horse racing in the u.s now some of that's because i grew up reading dick francis novels um and and i, I don't know if anybody else in the audience is a fan of the dick francis mystery novels but dick francis was a jockey who became like the preeminent mystery writer of of his era and he would crank out like a book a year for about 80 years um, and his son's carrying on kind of the, the, the legacy now, but, uh, a lot of his stories centered around racing, you know, maybe it would be somebody was doping horses or somebody yeah. got murdered at the racetrack or the suspect was a jockey or, you know, the, all these kind of things. So the suspect that's actually, that's a great name for a book. The suspect was jockey. <laughs> um, good. That's pretty good. Uh, so, go. okay, so real quick, we sorry to interrupt, uh, but I, I do want to remind. Well, everyone. I didn't want to turn this into the uh, you know eleven warriors horse racing hour. I mean, we no, could do fine. we could do that. You know, we're growing our port our podcast portfolio. OTB yeah. eleven warriors. <laughs> um, but what I will say real quick though is that the Dubcast, as we told you earlier, is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at elevenwarriors.com. And I, real briefly, we have a couple of ask us anything's. Bill, I promise we'll get to your question next week. It's a little involved, so I want to make sure we devote enough time to it. Uh, but before we get out of here, um, Andy, I, I, I do want to ask this question from Chalk, and Chalk uh, basically asks us this: Now that we're at the beginning stages of non-football slash football season, what are you filling your Saturdays with? I think we're all looking for something to replace the fall Saturday tradition of uh, scheduling the weekend around the big game. So how does that shift your weekends? Um, or are you just extending the summer non-sports routine, big house projects, things like that? So what's so, your, what are your Saturdays going to look like? Same. Yeah, so far it has been that for sure. Uh, I spent um, today, for example, rewiring all of the fluorescent light fixtures in our basement <laughs> to run on LED bulbs. So we're doing the, the ballast bypass. So basically cutting the ballasts out all of these old. Um, so we, we had a dozen or so, uh, you know, traditional fluorescent tube fixtures in the basement. I really didn't want to, cause we have the drop ceiling thing and I really didn't want to replace oh, all of yeah. the fixtures. I just wanted, so, you know, off to, off to home Depot, we go and, and obtain, um, you know, a bunch of led bulb conversion kits and, you know, snip, snip and throw in some, uh, wire nuts here and there. And, I have successfully converted all of the light fixtures uh, in the basement to run on LED. So our house is now marginally more energy efficient and I don't <laughs> have to worry about changing tubes um, for apparently 50,000 hours of light. Hooray. So yeah, th th things like that. Um, 
you know, we, we also, uh, we live relatively close to a playground. So we've been spending as much time as we can with the little tyke at the playground, uh, you know, doing, doing outdoor type things. We, we went kayaking Saturday. First time I had been in a kayak since FFA camp Muskingum, probably 20 years ago. Nice. And um glad to report that not only did I not drown, but I remembered how to keep the boat going forward instead of turning in circles. So good, good things, good things. Um, what about you? I, I, I mean, I love fall stuff and, and honestly, that's my eternal uh, internal, <laughs> my eternal internal struggle is how much I wanted to vote to football versus how much I wanted to vote to fall crap. And so I love, you know, everybody's making jokes about how like, you know, husbands are going to be able to get out and go into the apple picking. I freaking love apple, apple picking and I love going to like, you know, get pumpkins and crap like that. So, you know, as much as I can do that, I will be, you know, doing that. Obviously, my wife and whatnot, we'll, we'll do all the fun fall stuff. I will say, however, that um, because, you know, I've, I've been basically avoiding the gyms, I, I want to, you know, you want to exercise. And with the Tour de France, I've been on my bike a lot more mm-hmm. uh, than I had been in the past. And it's it's a good experience because I, you know, I like biking because um, you get to see a lot of where you're at and where you're looking, you know, just from a certain point of view, it's kind of fun to do that. And, you know, you go on a 20, 25 mile bike ride, you can see a lot of different things. Um, and <laughs> it's also a, a nice way to kind of humble yourself, get the ego in check a little bit because you're like, all right, well, I just, okay, I did 14 miles in an hour. That's not too bad. And then, <laughs> you know, you see, you know, what the guys in Tour de France said and you're like, Hmm, <laughs> Johnny's Johnny's not quite the athlete that he thought he was. (laughs) Uh, But the thing about that is, is that there really isn't, you know, right now or maybe ever, there really isn't a whole lot that I could possibly even do that. Right. Like I can't go out and play football, you know, and then say like, oh, well, this is how I stack up against an NFL player. It doesn't really work like that. So, you know, you want to go out and you want to try to ride a certain amount of time or a certain amount of miles. And it's, it's just kind of an interesting thing to keep you motivated. And I, I really like doing that. So today I actually went out to, Hilliard's got a really cool rails, uh, the trails area. It's unbelievably flat. Uh, it's, it's literally, you can ride up and back is approximately 12 miles. Uh, and you get an elevation gain of maybe 50 feet. It's, it's hilarious how flat it is. Um, <laughs> so I did that today and I, you know, I, I putts around it about 14 miles and it's, you know, it's windy as hell, but then you go back and then Tour de France is still on. Well, it wasn't on today, but you know, you go back and I was watching a replay and it's just, it's just a fun little experience. So it's not football. It isn't the same thing. I can't replicate that excitement, but I can still try to get it in my life a little bit, a little bit. Um, so that's what I've been doing. And of course, house stuff and whatnot. But I think, you know, in, in lieu of football, there's going to be a lot of house stuff, fall stuff, and then trying to get out on my bike and, and see Ohio in the fall. Cause it really is the best time of year here. So I'm pretty so love it yeah so that is the dubcast this week bill again i'm sorry we will definitely get to your question next week it's a great question uh so please hang tough on that uh and keep sending them in if you've got questions to, for ask us anything send them to dubcast at 11 warriors.com or at 11 dubcast on twitter um and we'll keep answering them so until next week i'm johnny i'm andy and we'll see you then